Last time on License to Parent. In an addiction, you become sensitized to a trigger in your environment. So if you're an alcoholic, if you see alcohol, you are going to be, your brain is going to light up and push you towards that alcohol. But a person that has no addiction to alcohol, maybe doesn't drink alcohol, they're not triggered at all. They don't care about it. Their brain doesn't light up. It's the same with porn. You become very sensitized to sexualized images. And when you see it, you're triggered and your brain creates cravings and basically propels you to see more of that pornography. Think about it. If you had a cocaine addiction and you could get cocaine 24-7 free from a digital device, do you think you'd have a problem with cocaine addiction? No, I, to- I totally agree. You definitely would. Yeah, and that's exactly what's happened to our kids. That's Kristen Jensen, author of the book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn-Proofing Today's Young Kids. Now, we began a conversation with Kristen last week on the program, and today we'll bring you part two of that interview on Licensed to Parent. And welcome once again to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, as always, on Licensed to Parent is the founder and director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rossell. Now, as you may have gathered from the opening, today's program is not intended for young ears. So if you have little ones within earshot, you may want to listen later on on our website at licensedtoparent.org. And with that warning, let's jump right back into our conversation. One of the reasons that teens are in crisis today is because parents have been sideswiped by digital media and have either chosen to ignore it or are simply not aware of what their kids have access to and what it's done to them. And with the prevalence of pornography on the Internet, the chances of addiction to it are increased because of this unfettered access to it by our kids whenever or wherever they are. And Kristen, as we heard you mention in the opening, addiction to pornography is a lot like addiction to drugs. And and just imagine if a cocaine addict had free 24-hour access to that drug, how much worse his or her addiction might be. Now, jumping off that point, the access that our society has to pornography isn't just limited to what we can access over the Internet. I mean, we are such a uh, sex-saturated society that uh, if you watch television, you see people who are immodest in their dress, in their action. If you look at commercials, sex sells. Go to church. If, if you <laughs> if you walk down the street, go to church wherever you'll see, um, you know, people that you would find attractive dressed in a way that is definitely supposed to attract you. And that may not be pornography in and of itself, but it is fueling the same fire mm-hmm. um, that that has already been stoked perhaps by the pornographic addiction. So that, you know, to your to your comment about um, about having access to cocaine, we really do have access to this type of stimulation all around us. And that is almost impossible to escape. So the the best we can do to follow your lead, uh, Kristen, with good pictures, bad pictures, and try to avoid it stepping over the line and into becoming a problem. Uh, this is this is great stuff that we need to be doing because mm-hmm. our kids aren't going to escape it. Yeah, we need to teach our children that 
they need to develop an internal filter. While we, while we try to put filters on devices and on the internet, we need to teach them that they need to develop an internal filter, as you said before. And that is teaching children the difference between love and lust and, and not shaming them because we're all human, right? We all have a biological response, but we need to be concerned about uh, looking away and keeping um, our brains safe and our hearts safe from objectification. You know, when you, when you have an object, you can do anything to that object. You, you know, you see kids and they take a Barbie doll and they whack it, you know, and it's like they don't care mm-hmm. um, because it's really an object. But once you have a, and that's what pornography does is it, it makes people into objects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to abuse objects. It's not, um, but when they become people. So that's another thing that we need to teach children, and that is empathy. Empathy for other people. I once, I recently talked with a mother whose eight-year-old was looking at, had gotten into some pornography. He, his friend had told him something to search for on Google, and he did. And he just expected to see basically naked women, but they don't get naked women. They get hardcore violent pornography. Motion picture living color. Yeah. So she 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 started talking with him and the thing that made the most impact on him was to say, you know, you have a little sister. Would you like your little sister being treated this way? Right. Would you like your your aunt being treated this way? Mm-hmm. And he started to cry. And he realized that no, he would never want real people that he cared about being treated that way. So I think developing empathy in children, making them know that these people in pornography many times are trafficked. Now, as they get older, you can teach them this, but they're, they're being hurt. And even if they look like they're enjoying it, they're not. And we need to teach children empathy Mm -hmm. and help them realize when, when that pornography objectifies people and that is that's a very inhumane yeah. way of living and we don't want to start feeling that way we don't want to be influenced yeah. ourselves right the fact that that kid uh, that would, the fact that kid would cry uh, tells me that uh, he's just exhibiting one of the attributes of God. He knows intrinsically that that's wrong, yeah. and and so that that's that's actually an encouragement. But yeah. uh, I want to kind of take a, a look at the flip side of all of this, and that is, if we start having these conversations with our kids too young, might we be introducing them to something ourselves? And I want to get your comments on that in a moment. But I know also you've got some interesting information on some of the effects that porn is currently having right now on some of the younger kids in our society. What, what's going on? What are the studies showing? Well, since children have had greater access to the Internet via mobile devices, you know, the iPhone came out in 2007, the incidence of child-on-child sexual abuse has skyrocketed. In the U.S., 40% of child sexual abuse is perpetrated by minors. And another study, another report in the U.K. 
reported that up to 65% of sexual abuse experienced by children under 18 is perpetrated by someone under the age of 18, so another child. Mm -hmm. And the average age for beginning to demonstrate these concerning sexual behaviors is eight and a half years old. And, And more than half of these children direct their behavior towards a sibling. It's a problem. Now, we know that pornography is used by adult perpetrators to prime a child for sexual abuse, but what we're finding is that children are now more at risk to be abused by, mm. from their siblings than by an older adult or an older parent. So we need to be very, you know, we need to be on top of this so mm. that our children aren't hurt by other children and aren't, they don't become mm. the perpetrators. My, my fear is the way our culture is headed with the whole transgender, you know, gay marriage thing that maybe incestuous relationships aren't going to be looked upon all that uh, uh, unfavorably in the not-too-distant future. That's my fear. And, and conversations that led up to those uh, movements in our society also asked the question not long ago, well, is pedophilia next? Right. And so, yeah, all, you know, the, the door swings open and swings wide in these well, well, back to back to my question about starting these conversations about pornography with our kids at a younger age. What what is the chance, or is there a chance that we ourselves might be piquing their curiosity by introducing this topic and maybe setting them off in the wrong direction rather than helping them? That's a great question, and I get this question all the time. And what I tell parents is this. Given the current accessibility of pornography, you got to weigh the dangers, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly have never heard in the years that I've been doing this of a child being warned about pornography and then going and seeking it. Hmm. Preemptive is the key word. I mean, yes, you have to be proactive. You're going to have the ability to have a first impression. Don't give that away. You cannot control when your child is exposed to pornography. You have no idea when that's going to happen. But you can control when you start the discussions and when you start informing them and empowering them really against their own curiosity. So an informed child is a prepared child and a prepared child is a protected child. That old saying, you never have a second chance to make a first impression. I remember people ridiculing me back in the 80s and 90s when my kids were very small. I was having the birds and the bees talks. I was, I was seeing what was happening just on, on television. Uh, but let me ask you this, Kristen. If a, if a kid under 18 can't drink, smoke, vote, chew, run with those who do, or even pull the lever on a nickel slot machine, why do we allow our, t- our minors, our teenagers to have unencumbered access to these adult and uh, toys and addictive appendages that we call smartphones. I get cell phones. I understand that. But why do we give our kids these Sodom and Gomorrahs on, this, on, the, on their hip pocket 24-7 access? Did this stuff just come on so quick and fast? It just got away from us? Or what are we thinking here? I do believe that we were caught off guard. Absolutely. And I do believe there's an industry out there that is developing technologies to 
peddle their wares, you know, to the pornography industry. Sure, there's big dollars. And they have actually been the ones that have been at the, you know, developing some of these technologies. Hmm. And they are predatorial. Yeah, they they are. go after children. They want to hook them as soon as they can. Mm-hmm. Have lifelong customers. Yeah, there's, there's big dollars so, in all that. No doubt, no doubt about it. Go yeah, ahead. big, big money, big mm-hmm. money, and and we have just also been sold this bill of goods that. You know, we need to not be ashamed of our bodies, and we need to be sex positive, and and I think people are confused. <laughs> well, you know, there's they col- really are. There's, they are. I mean, there, there are colleges that offer pornography as college courses, and you know, teach it as, yep. as art. I mean, what counsel do you have for a parent who might be paying for uh, their kid's college, who's got pornography uh, on their agenda? I mean, how, how do they how are they justifying that? I, that's a good question, and I would definitely, um, you know, most of the major colleges, like a lot of Ivy League colleges, they, they'll have sex week. Oh, yeah. Where they yeah. Yeah. do these things. So, you know, that's, that is, uh, but there have been studies that show that children that were, you know, were just, that parents who discuss this with their children, discuss the dangers of pornography, why they don't want them looking at it, the harms. Um, those children grow up to use much less pornography than kids that never, that, whose parents never warned them, never sure. talked to them. So there is a correlation between talking to your children and them having the knowledge to protect themselves. And I have so many stories of parents who warn their children their children are exposed, they come and they do exactly what the parent asked them to do, which is to tell them and so that they can work through it because it's obviously a shocking experience for a young child to see pornography. Mm-hmm. And so it's important, but there are studies that show that if you don't talk to children and don't basically open this conversation and give them permission to talk to you about pornography, they will not tell you. If they don't tell you in the first 24 hours, studies show that they won't tell you, maybe ever. Hmm. So it's important to open that conversation as soon as the child has any access to the internet. Mm -hmm. And that's why we wrote our junior book, to make that super comfortable and easy for the parent to just start that conversation, get in there first, be the expert for your child. Don't let Google be the expert. Don't yeah. let their peers yeah, be definitely. the expert on exactly. sex. You need to take that on. I think too many kids have learned sex the wrong way, how to be stimulated yeah. by it in the wrong way with the wrong motives. Again, more of a narcissistic than a sacrificial uh, motive, but uh, and, and, and it's hard to, hard to break. We need to take a quick break here. We're talking with Kristen Jensen. She's the author of Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids. This is Licensed to Parent. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by screens. Have we entered into a techno-utopia or a virtual prison? Is our social experience richer and deeper or more shallow and artificial? Discover insightful answers to these questions in the documentary DVD, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture. 
you'll learn from media experts, church leaders, and inspiring individuals and families from across the country, including Trace Embry and students from Shepherds Hill Academy. Most importantly, you'll discover how God's Word addresses the unique media challenges we face today. Captivated, finding freedom in a media-captive culture. Available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherds Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherds Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. This is Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, doing everything we can to help parents be more intentional and hopefully avoid the use of our services here in a residential program for troubled teens. We're talking today about porn-proofing today's young kids uh, with the author of the Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book series. Her name is Kristen Jensen. And and by the way, we've been talking about how to uh, install filters in our kids, basically teaching them discernment, teaching them to know right from wrong in this and to, to be able to build their own defense against porn. Are there any practical external filters or software devices or other types of guards that you recommend parents putting in place in their homes uh, to, to help keep pornography out? Well, there are many many uh, filtering devices and products out there. There is also accountability. So what we say is for younger children, use a filter. It should be filtered at the router level. I've heard lots of people say they like Circle by Disney, um, but there's many products. If you just Google filters, um, you can find them, and there's there's a lot of them out there. And I don't recommend any one product. Okay. Although when it comes to accountability, I recommend Covenant Eyes. Yeah, that's what we That's when children are a little older and you're not going to be trying to put up that wall as much as you're going to be helping them and mentoring them and coaching them on how to be safe. So it's not so much blocking it as it is, you know, seeing where they've been. Yeah. And yeah. then being able to talk to them. Kristen, there's going to be parents who say it's not realistic uh, to, to think my kids are going to come and tell me that he or she's been looking at porn. Um, even after we've had all the heartfelt talks with our kids, if we discover our, our child has viewed pornography and hasn't uh, told us about it, uh, how should we handle that? That's a great question. First of all, we need to not freak out. Right. We need to realize that... Porn is the enemy and not our child. Hmm. 
We need to understand that the pull of pornography is very strong for these kids. Right. And we have a lot of great advice on our website under he- Help and Heal. And we have some an, a free guide that parents can get. Basically, and we have this SMART plan. And so the first thing is S for stay calm and M for make a plan. You want to be able to get the information from your child, but in um, a comfortable way, not in an accusatory way, not in a shame-based way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really important to be calm, to take time to call, to deal with your own emotions first. If you catch your, if you find that you have, uh, that your child's been looking at porn, don't just immediately knee-jerk react. Yeah. Take some time, talk to your spouse or a friend, figure out a plan, and really go get our free guide on protectyoungminds.org. Super, super helpful. Mm-hmm. But I will give you one tip um, about that I got from a police uh, officer. Uh, just actually the other day I was talking uh, with a police officer in our community, and they said, look, take the device from your child every night. Make sure you look at it. Make sure you review, you know, whatever history you can. Make sure it's uh, plugged in and recharged next to your bed. Don't let them have it in their room. And make sure that, and she sets it up so that they can add whatever apps they want, but they can never delete an app. So that if you Mm -hmm. review those, that phone every day, you're going to be seeing what apps they have and talking to them and... Um, you can have the ability to to delete those apps. And the other thing is, if you do give your child a smartphone, that smartphone, it should be recognized that it's your smartphone, not theirs. They're just getting to use it. Um, and also, you need to have all the passwords, not them. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if your child were allowed to have a deadbolt on their door their bedroom door and they could go in and deadbolt it and you couldn't get in and then they could open the window and anybody can come in through that window. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what happens if you give a child a smartphone that they can lock down, that they have the password and you don't, uh, it's like a deadbolt and then they can open up that window and anything and anybody can come through. Uh, uh, So let's be smart about technology yeah. with our kids. And I, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, I have to keep going back to the fact that uh, a smartphone is an adult toy and it's not something that, that kids should have to begin with. They, I mean, you want to operate it in, in my presence, under my roof, fine. We, we do all that. And I know you're going to have kids, you know, out of my sight and in control. You might bump into it there, but when you're 35 years old, you're never going to, you're never going to look back on your life and say, Mom, Dad, why in the world did you let me have that? You know, so I, I have a little different uh, thought on that. I, I don't, I don't think smartphones are something that, that that kids ought to have. I go back to the fact that they can't pull a lever on a nickel slot machine for crying out loud because of the addictive nature. Uh, why in the world? And the government even recognizes that. Why would we do something like that? Like this that would that could end up in in a life transforming event, whether it's incest or impregnating someone or getting arrested or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, you know, you, you just said it earlier, pornography has such a strong pull, particularly for boys who are generally more visually stimulated. Uh, without divine intervention, how can we get our kids to actually want to stop viewing it? 
That is a good question. And again, I believe it's starting early, getting in that first impression, mm-hmm. setting your values, sharing your values with them. For teenagers, I really believe that connecting it with sex trafficking, mm-hmm. showing that every time you click on a, a, a porn website, that you are basically voting for sex trafficking mm-hmm. because all forms of sexual exploitation are connected. And many of these people that are in these porn films are exploited um, or trafficked. And so it, it, it's, it's just not fair. It's not yeah. just. And I like what you said many bef- kids respond to that. Yeah, I like what you said before, you know, uh, about you know, how would you like your sister or brother being in that. I mean, that, they got to keep in mind, that's someone's daughter, that's someone's son. Uh, that that they're looking at there, and I I, I think that that in my, mm. my experience, that's been one of the strongest uh, uh, pulls yeah. for kids to um, uh, govern yeah, themselves. The, basically, uh, um, yeah, I talked with a, a young father who was struggling with porn addiction, and he said that that was finally what really got to him. What really got him to do the hard work of getting in recovery was the fact that he realized that he was contributing to the problem mm-hmm. of sex trafficking yep. by mm. consuming this product yeah. that was based on exploiting others. Yeah. yeah. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with Kristen Jensen, author of the best-selling book series, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And in particular today, we've been talking about Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, porn-proofing today's young kids. You'll find her books, her blog, more resources, and how to connect with her on social media at her website, which we mentioned earlier, protectyoungminds.org. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I truly believe that children can be warned and can protect themselves against pornography if we start early, kind of like an inoculation. I agree. We, they can reject pornography if we teach them how to do it. Yeah, and I think you made a good point. I, I, uh, freaking out never works. Yeah. <laughs> never works. And, and to your last analogy about an inoculation, the only difference is, in this case, it's the parents who have to roll up their sleeves because yeah. we got a lot of work to do. That's exactly right. All right, Kristen, exactly. thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up today's edition of Licensed to Parent. You know, we deal with this issue of pornography on a nearly daily basis here, not only on the Licensed to Parent broadcast, but here at Shepherd's Hill Academy as well in our work with teens. And it's certainly not the only battle that we fight, but it is a big one. And in our remaining moments today, I want to ask you what you would do to save a child you may know who may already have made some bad decisions like this and then as a result is now in turmoil. Perhaps he or she is one step away from jail or the grave, as we often say, and does not know how to get out. Perhaps you know the parents of this child and you can see what they're going through, not able to find help or find a way out for their child. Well, help is available. That's the good news. And it's right here, right now at Shepherd's Hill Academy. And we need your help to get the word out. If you know other families in need, please ask them to visit our website, licensedtoparent.org. And then while there, click on the link to Shepherd's Hill Academy on the homepage. Everything they need to know to connect or talk with someone who cares and who can help their troubled teen is right there on the website. Again, licensedtoparent.org and then click on the link to Shepherd's Hill Academy. 
In addition, many parents need your help. Residential care is very specialized care, and providing it is not cheap. So your financial help in any amount can help a family that couldn't otherwise afford residential care get the help they need right now. Please don't wait. Visit LicensedToParent.org and click on the Donate tab. And all donations are 100% tax deductible and any amount will help. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trey Simbry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to join us again next time and once again to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.